Welcome. To Arcade Audio. My goodness, hey friends, it's your friends, Shared History. History, the quicker picker-upper. What does history pick up, Cass? It picks up knowledge and truth, but oftentimes doesn't pass it on, because sometimes we're not listening to the lessons history is teaching us, wouldn't you say so? Wow, that got real deep and real real, and I appreciated it. Thank you, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm deep, and I'm real. Uh, this is your host, uh, Natalie Younger. And this is your other host, Cass Maher. So I'm gonna, you know, we've gone this, I don't know when this episode's airing, but we've, uh, recorded several episodes remotely, never addressing, um, the elephant in the room, or, uh, as it were, the elephant, uh, safe in its own room. Six feet away. its own, <laughs> its own home. Um... But it's relevant to my story this week and also partially why I chose uh, a theme for this week. So I feel like I should address the fact that we're all uh, sheltering in place right now. Um, Some of us in different states. Yeah. Emotionally and literally. Surprise, surprise. You can take the girl out of Iowa, but she's going to go back to (laughs) Iowa. (laughs) As soon as there's a pandemic. My mom, gotta, gotta go back to Iowa. My mom said, like, when this, like, very first was, like, not even, like, a pandemic thing yet, she's like, Cass, if 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 they're going to close the borders, I will come up and get you. <laughs> she did not. But she was ready. So She was ready. Yes. She was ready. She was prepared to ride a horse uh, across state lines <laughs> to rescue you. Yes. Uh, but I bring this up because I, uh, I of all people... Not the largest fan of the athletic events. What? Suggested we do a theme of sports again. Even though when Cass suggested it for the last season, I did it kind of kicking and screaming. I, I got that in there early. Because it was, it was summer. Yeah, it was one of, of the first ones we recorded. It was like the, the fourth episode. Yeah, it was summer of the Women's World Cup. So I mm. had soccer on the brain, and I was like, oh, let's, let's do soccer. And you're like, oh, God. And you were excited because you knew I was excited and would put my whole heart into it, and you trudged through. And actually, that was a great episode. You talked about Cheryl episode. Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally just so, jumped in there. Sorry. Well, no, you're fine. I, I So I wanted to talk about it because I know that... But especially by the time this episode comes out, everyone's going to be in a real, like, really, like, itching itching for some sports uh, and going through some serious withdrawal. I know I watched, I actually watched the uh, 1999 uh, Women's World Cup championship match on YouTube the other day. Yeah, you, and we posted it on our Instagram. They yeah. we streamed it, right? Yep, they've been playing old games. And so that's been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my friend Greg, uh, who is the one who suggested I do the topic of Cheryl Miller, has just been mowing through old VHS tapes of NBA and WNBA games that his grandmother had recorded. Oh my gosh. 
And I'm like, I love this. Um, uh, there's actually there's a documentary out called Women of Troy, which is about mm-hmm. the USC women's basketball team with Cheryl which, Miller. Mm-hmm. So it's not she just a Cheryl a Miller documentary, but like they at least when they were kind of pitching it on the trailer, they're really leaning into the Cheryl Miller name. Yeah. So because she is a goddess, a queen. Uh, but I was int- I was thinking about all the sports balls that are canceled or postponed, um, specifically the Olympics, which the 2020 Olympics are now officially postponed to 2021. Um, ideally, fingers crossed. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I was uh I was talking about it with my husband, and he was like, "That's bonkers. Have they ever?" postponed or canceled the olympics before and uh the olympics have faced many potential uh disruptions that the olympic committees always have to plan for and when cities enter their bid they have to kind of like present a plan of how they would handle all of these different things uh like natural disasters like earthquakes and fires uh terrorist attacks etc but uh they've never really had to address how they would uh approach a pandemic um and but they have been canceled before only for world wars so uh the modern olympics uh aka not like beautiful greasy greek men uh oiling up under the sun and <laughs> wrestling when you said greasy greek men i thought you meant like not g-r-e-a-s like g-r-e-e-c-e very greasy (laughs) natalie we call that greek (laughs) they're very greasy um how does this olive taste very greasy very greasy uh my the finest greasy (laughs) olive oil (laughs) Um, no, uh, so the modern Olympics are, are considered any Olympic Games since 1896, um, and they have been canceled three times, or kind of like, uh, what is that? Math is hard. F- uh, five times? Um, because of the way that the Olympics used to be structured, but all on account of world wars, uh, the during World War One, the 1916 games in Berlin were canceled um, when it became obvious that the war would not be quote over by Christmas, like oh, everyone kept saying. Um, and then in 19, this is kind of sad. 1936, Berlin got finally got their games because they were they were supposed to host in 1916. In 1936, Berlin did get to host the Olympic Games just in time to be the last Olympic Games for a while um, because we were on the precipice of another world war. And also Hitler there was there. So he was kind of like, these are my these are my games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a bummer on a <laughs> bummer for Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> The bummer for Berlin. That sounds like a yes. 1940s headline title. Maybe. Or uh, like an old radio show with Foley. <laughs> yeah, a radio um, teleplay. Yeah. Um, but then uh, the 1940 and 1944 Olympic Games were canceled twice, actually, because... Uh, 
back in those years, the summer and the winter games took place in the same year. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, they didn't they didn't switch it to the alternating schedule until 1992. 92? Mm-hmm. They like voted on it in like 86, I want to say. No, that math doesn't add up. Um, but I think whatever. They voted on it in like 86 or 89 or something and so the 92 was I think the maybe the first time they were separated. Do you think they did that because of marketing or do you think it was to give the players a break or well cuz it was still they were every 4 years it's just that both of them I think were every 4 years and so they switched it so that it was well, yeah, but I mean, the winter like, games are every four, and the summer are every four, but not at the same time. Well, yeah, but I'm wondering if, if like, because the, the Olympics rakes in a lot of dough, mm-hmm. separating that into two years. I don't know. I th- I think it was like marketing, um, also like just like broadcast scheduling and whatnot, um, and then probably just wanting to you know spread that spread that love around that olympic love uh because obviously even when they had them both in the same year they were in different cities uh the the 1940 summer olympics were also supposed to be in tokyo so this is two lost olympic game summer games for tokyo for the axis powers Uh, The 1944 games, though, are what I want to talk about, or the lack thereof, Uh, because the 1944 Summer Games would have been in London, um, and and they were not celebrated in London in 1944, but they were still celebrated in a POW camp in Nazi Germany. Uh, The actually... I'm going to like dial it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go back in time. Cause I forgot. I wanted to talk about the 1944 su- unofficial summer Olympic games, uh, at a Polish POW camp. But as I was researching this, everyone was like, this was like the first time that we did this, blah, blah, blah. Um, but actually I found a story about in 1940 soldiers from, Belgium, France, Great Britain, Norway, Poland, Russia, and Yugoslavia, um, who are held in a camp near Nuremberg, Germany, state also staged their own 1940s Summer Olympic Games. Oh my god, Natalie, I was so worried because I was sure we had the exact same topic just now. (laughs) It's pretty damn close. I should have texted Rip. We do not, but I'm still nervous you're going to mention it. Okay. Oh my uh, god, we all oh, this has never happened. We were like, there's no way we're ever gonna randomly oh this is I I did literally I didn't text rip my topic until this morning and I realized I hadn't and I was like, oh no. This is actually a circumstance where we could run into having a similar topic. I just stopped text I'll text you right <laughs> now. I literally stopped texting rip. It's too late. <laughs> Yes, it's the same. Pick something different. Quick, stall. Yeah, quick, quick, do your research while Natalie tells the story. I was like, I stopped texting Riff or emailing him my topic ages ago because I was like, there's no chance we're ever going to. 
I feel like whenever we have a theme, we should this always is... do it because that is when it is particularly risky. Oh my gosh. Okay, go. I'm like, oh. I'm like, Shay, I'm so nervous. <laughs> if we have the same topic, we'll just tell it together. It's fine. <laughs> I love that this is happening. Um, so very briefly, the 1940s unofficial uh, Olympic Games in this camp uh, were were held in secret um, because this was like more of like an uh, like there was also a Piodor a Piodor words are hard a prisoner of war camp, um, but these guys weren't like officers, uh, and so basically it's speculated that had they been caught throwing these games, like the Germans would not have been cool with it because the other one what the Germans were cool with it, um, but it's they they uh the 1940s near Nuremberg. They staged their own secret Olympic-style competition featuring a flag crafted from one of the captives' shirt with rings drawn on it and crayons. They swore an oath, quote, in the name of all the sportsmen whose stadiums are fenced with barbed wire and declared open the International Prisoner of War Olympic Games. Oh, my Um, God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But it was, it's the unofficial 1944 Summer Olympic Games that I'm going to talk about because I couldn't find anything else about the 1941 because it was so uh, on the DL and hush hush. Yeah. Um, it took the 1944 Summer Olympic Games took place behind barbed wire and under the watchful eye of the Nazi guards as Polish prisoners of war at Oflag 2C camp staged an unofficial. POW Olympics, known as the Woldenberg Olympics, from July 23rd to August 13th, 1944. Is this your topic, Cass? Yep, you got it. No, it's not. No, it is not. But it is. I was like, you're being very calm if it is. It's, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's shockingly close. Adjacent? It's, it's, they're touching. It is adjacent. All right. Literally, okay, Uh, I'm sorry. I'm so excited. Um, okay. Um, there is apparently a 2004 NBC mini documentary uh, during like the Athens uh, Olympics, um, that year's Olympics, that like had like a little mini documentary about this. NBC did. Um, it was like eight minutes long, and then they did a longer version. They aired a longer version on Bravo. Um, I cannot find this documentary, so I'm saying it to our listeners. I don't know what it's called. That's part of why I can't find it. But it's like listed and cited in almost every single thing I read. Um, so I'm furious I couldn't find it because I was like, oh, it's like 10 minutes long. I can watch that right before I hop on to record even. But nope. Um, the Woldenberg Oflag 2C POW camp was essentially a miniature town Um a miniature town that, you know, was built by the forced labor of the uh, officers that were imprisoned in it. Yeah. Uh, but it even, it was really, it was like kind of sprawling. It even had its own internal postal service. Oh, wow. It was primarily an officer camp. Um, and the Germans it, who respected military titles, um, even if they were the enemy, uh, allowed the men to 
have like a symphony orchestra that would practice and play. They were allowed to exercise. They were allowed to like play sports. Um, they were allowed to stage plays. Um, and they were even permitted to like hold classes because some of the the officers in their civilian life were professors. And so they would like have class and like teach philosophy and law and whatnot. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why they're like, oh, this is why the Germans, quote unquote, allowed these Olympic Games and they didn't have to be as uh, hush hush right. as the 1940s one. That was just in a, for lack of better word, average POW camp. Um, so they say that the Polish officers wanted to host their own unofficial Olympics uh, as a tribute to a Polish athlete and 1932 Olympic gold medalist, uh, Janusz, uh, oh, and I'm Ukrainian, so I should like be <laughs> able to like read things. Uh, uh, Kusochinsky. Um, he ran the he ran and won the gold in 1932 for the 10,000 meter uh, race. Um, and he had been captured and executed by the Nazis. And so the that's why they say that the officers were very adamant about maintaining their own physical conditioning and honoring uh, a beloved athlete. Yeah. And so the goal, the guards of Oldenburg allowed it. Mm. Uh, the Polish officers made an Olympic flag of their own. This one out of a bed sheet and pieces of colored scarves. They put music and art and sculptures on display as was part of the Olympic tradition at this time that there's also like an arts competition that went on um, simultaneously with the sports competition. Uh, it's reported that the de detainees made their own program, uh, which according to a 1995 article in the journal of the international society of Olympic historians was brightly colored and featured a crowned athlete on the cover and listed all of the events and names of the competitors. Oh my gosh. They, it's like they got real. They, they went like, all doing out. Yeah, this was nobody phoned this in. This wasn't like a group project in school where like one person took it seriously and everyone else. Did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Todd, they, you they just issued... have to draw the circles. Yeah, we need the circles. Um, they issued tickets, and they even had a grandstand and with spe where spectators could watch the events. Um, they even printed a commemorative postage stamp for their internal postal service. Oh my gosh. Uh, it depicted a runner breaking through finish line tape. Uh, they're like, we're doing this. We're going all the way. We're pulling out all the stops. Uh, and then on July 23rd, 1944, they staged an opening ceremony, hoisted their handmade flag and even and everyone saluted it, even the German officers uh, who were oh, wow. in attendance supervising, if you will. Um, in a show of sportsmanship spirit, the Germans were like, you know what? We like Olympics. Uh, also, I'm pretty sure like the like the Germans kind of like dominated the most recent Olympic Games at this point. The ones in what did I say they were? Uh 36 yeah the last actual ones yeah um so the germans are probably like yes remember how great we were because this at this point is this is summer 1944 this is after d-day mm -hmm. so uh things have shifted slightly for the for the german officers um 
Roughly 369 of the 7,000 prisoners at that camp. It was a really big camp. Um, uh, participated. So it's three. So I'm, I'm not doing math. It was like, I can't. Yeah, I'm bad at math. Um, but they like all of them uh, who participated, it said participated in multiple events. Uh, the German guards conditions, however, when they allowed this uh, were that there could be no fencing, no archery, no javelin or pole vaulting events. So they're like, you can have your Olympics, but you don't get anything sharp and pointy. We're not going to let you go all Spartacus gladiator rebellion on us. Yeah, they're like, using only gladiatorial weapons. Yeah, using only uh, things that Russell Crowe would weapon, pick up but... in Gladiator. Yes, uh, I just like that they're like, yes, you can. Okay, you can play. Here are the toys are allowed to use. <laughs> Nothing sharp. Nothing sharp. We don't. We don't trust you. <laughs> There's seven thousand of you. No long range missiles. No arrows. Mm-hmm. No, no. I just like that it's also like no javelin and no pole vaulting. <laughs> because what's a pole vault pole other than a very long javelin? But also, could you, like, I could totally see them, like, I don't know. I feel like you hear of, like, amazing and crazy, like, escape stories of just, like, one guy pole vaulting out of the, over the fence yeah. and then coming back or I don't know. Oh. Well, this isn't this isn't part of this story, but there were several successful escape attempts at this particular camp. Yeah, um, one of which one was like like one dude, like one or two officers, um, somehow snuck out. Oh, I don't remember this one as well. They escaped by like hiding themselves in like the delivery of like food and stuff that was coming in so very classic like hotel hijinks where you like hide or uh, like we hide yourself in the towels as they pass by <laughs> or whatnot yeah. that they do in every movie um and then another one uh i like this one because it involves a lot of uh teamwork um a huge like fight broke out like an all-out brawl uh, amongst prisoners and it was at night, and so when the as the German uh, guards were breaking up this fight, they had all of the searchlights trained on this fight because it was they were trying to like break up this big fight. And meanwhile, like two or three officers like cut through the fence and uh, the, in the opposite direction where there was no searchlights pointing anymore. Misdirection. Like, Mate. Oh, like that's yeah, like sure, I'll go beat the shit out of someone over here and you can escape. That's a that's a yeah. I'll take a punch for you to escape. Oh, that's yeah, I love that. Uh that's taking so one there for were, the team. There were several uh several uh escape att- uh, successful escapes actually at this camp. Um and no pole pole vaulting was needed. Uh but imagine what they could have done had they been allowed a pole vault. A javelin and an arrow. Unstoppable. Yes. Uh, the, but among the events that they did compete in, uh, that were allowed, uh, there was handball, basketball, volleyball, track and field, chess, and, um, even boxing, but they didn't finish the boxing part of the competition because the prisoners were so kind of fatigued and malnourished and fragile, uh, that they were especially prone to breaking bones. So that they didn't even get like halfway through, I think the 
all of the rounds necessary for anyone to meddle before the Germans were like, you know what? We took away javelins. I think we're also going to pull back on the punching. Yeah. They're like, we're we're not particularly concerned about your well-being, but we do need you for physical labor. (laughs) And it's just, you're really costing us a lot of stitches right now. Um, stitches and ditches. Oh, uh, oh no, I'm the worst. <laughs> um, but winners received uh, diplomas and medals made from embossed paper. They got real arts and crafty. I love it. Uh, as I said, there were no medals awarded in boxing. Uh, nobody medaled in that event. Um, and there's a quote uh, from... Uh, survivor from from that particular camp who uh, Arkady uh, uh, Verzinski um, who remembered in the mini documentary at that time he was 95 mm-hmm. um, uh, he said quote the excitement in the entire camp was unbelievable all of us were there some 6,000 men we were all there together this is a great moment and then the Olympic flag went up the only one in the world just in this spot because they there were no other yeah olympic events that's um that's beautiful however he was wrong they weren't the only polish pow olympics that year apparently poland was like we're having olympics we are like, sporting because, yeah we will we will sport um, another camp, a much smaller camp in Grossborn, uh, it only had like, it was like half the size of, uh, of this other camp. They had, they held their own ceremony and awarded, uh, medals made of cardboard, but much less is known about their, uh, Olympics than, uh, this one, this, uh, Woldenberg Games. Um, both of these camps were officer, primarily officer camps, um, and they were both, uh, they were both evacuated in January 1945, um, not liberated, evacuated, they closed down these camps, and they made all of the prisoners march to other camps, uh, at which point this, these were called death marches for very good reason, mm-hmm. um, but one of the survivors uh, happened to also have the flag that they had made with him. Uh, and so he survived and he kept the flag and then he donated it to the Warsaw Museum of Sport and Tourism. So if you go to that museum, you can see this bedsheet and colorful scarf flag from nineteen from the 1944 uh pow olympic games and then you can also find uh the 1940 uh old shirt with crayon flag from the that that unofficial olympic game so that's all in Um, warsaw in the museum in warsaw yeah they're both at this yeah this museum of sport and tourism in warsaw uh but yeah i just thought it was like really interesting i was just curious if they had been, I knew they'd, I was like, if they had to have been canceled before because world wars, and that is exactly why they had been canceled before. Um, it, uh, the IOC, uh, actually still counts 
1944 Olympic Games as the games of the uh, oh, crap Ac- Roman numerals X I I I is thirteen, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, as remember the- that bit in Hercules? There's like the kids get under the boulders. Quick, someone call I X I I, which is nine one one. I just was looking at this and I was like, it should be a higher number. Yeah, it's more of my issue. Uh, but they still. Um, they still count the 1944 games as the games of the uh, 13 Olympiad, even though the games never actually officially happened. Oh, that's cool. Um, they recognize them officially. It, I don't think that they recognize the Woldenberg games as the official games. They just still commemorate the year and they held like, yeah, that it uh, like a little that it took place. ceremony. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Well, because it would have been, I think the really the only reason that they, pretend that they still happened or like recognize that there should have been Olympics that year is because it would have been the 50th anniversary of the foundation of the IOC. Um, And those summer games, like I said, those summer games would have been in London, uh, but instead London got the 1948 Olympics and the 2012. uh, Yes. Uh, But they, but they, so they got the first post-war Olympic games for the summer games. Um, with like they didn't have to go through the bidding process again there was no election they just were like london here you go mm-hmm. uh but you know they those games were a little less than ideal in 1948 yeah. given that they were still like rationing and athletes were all put up in military barracks yeah. and uh but even so the 1948 london games apparently had a record turnout of nations competing a record at that time yeah uh i think 59 competing nations that year I'm um, sure. I mean, it's like you said, like, by the time the whole pandemic thing is over, people are going to be itching for sports. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm sure everyone was just like, this is something that is that always happened. We missed it. Sports unite people. It's also a great, you know, like, London got destroyed during World War II. That's a great time yeah. for people to come together and be like, look, we have this joyful, hopeful yeah. thing. Well, and it's like literally like these games, the the 1940 ones, at least, they were supposed to be in Tokyo and Sapporo, Japan. Um, and when they got uh, they initially they didn't initially get full out canceled. Japan was like, we need to focus all of our like nation energy and resources on the war effort. And so they actually uh, like they re they put the election back up and two different cities got them again, Helsinki. And I can't remember the other one. Um, And so they were supposed to then go to these other cities. But then those other cities were also like in the war by the time that they would have been happening. So then they were officially canceled. Yeah. but yeah, I also think that we're in like a unique position right now where like at least like at least we have the benefits of like modern technology that we can watch old games. Yeah. We can go back and and like I I mean I don't really even rewatch TV shows, mm-hmm. so I don't really understand or get rewatching a sporting event that you've seen before. It kind of feels like it like Yeah takes all of the stakes and excitement out of it for me. I will uh, say watching the shootout of the 99 uh Women's World Cup game, I'm still like <gasps> is she going to stop it? Is Brianna Scurry going to stop the ball? And she does yeah. every time. 
every time. It's crazy that they haven't like changed that or added like there's some not some like weird director's cut of that thing <laughs> deleted where they scenes. do like a like a sliding doors what what if butterfly effect uh, it was it was weird i was listening to the radio the other day and iowa state basketball god love them god knows i do has just been garbage this past year like just they weren't even gonna make it to the the tournament it wasn't great so the radio's on and all of a sudden like I it's like an Iowa State game and they're like this team has just been showing that they can do what it takes all season I was like what the hell is going on and then that was when I first realized they're replaying old games and I was like that's actually really smart and it is it is nice because especially like big important games you remember or like NCAA tournaments or nail biters like those are fun to relive especially when they're they're big games that like everyone regardless of whether or not it's your team you know that everyone's seen i've also i i have like rewatched like i said i re- did rewatch the 99er the 99ers game um but i rewatched that cuz when i watched it i was 9 yeah and i don't think i really paid attention oh no um and i hadn't seen it since cuz i don't rewatch things old sports um, games from the 90s you don't do I that just, i truly just don't I'm a I'm very much a completionist. Like if I start watching something or if I start reading something, I have to finish oh, it. Yeah. But I there are very few things in this world that I rewatch. Like I do not rewatch like TV series. Who has the time? Although frankly, I might rewatch Parks and Rec. I was just going to say Parks and Rec is the one that I just like. If I don't really want to pay attention, or if I'm doing something else, or if I just want to fall asleep, I'll throw a Parks and Rec on because it's just so wholesome and hopeful. It's what honestly that's why I would want to watch it. It's right what now. I wish the government actually was. It's what mm. the government could be. Leslie Nope. Leslie Nope. She's so pure. It's also though, like I I do understand the appeal. I guess from um from a rewatching if you're a current sports fan. If you're a fan of a sport currently and going back and rewatching like old games, I I see the appeal in that just because some of these leagues like I I I know this because one of my best friends talks about it all the time like the NBA has changed so yeah. much and so like it's it's kind of a in some sports it's kind of a if you're a diehard sports fan. It's a return to kind of a purer version of that sport. Um, or sometimes it's a return to uh, the wild, wild west of performance enhancing drugs, depending on the sport that you're watching. Wild, wild west, baby. So, um, I want to show it to you because I actually, because we haven't, it's been harder for us to do visual aids with each other while we're telling stories uh, since we're far apart. So here is uh, here is the the flag from the 1944 what? Oh so it's my gosh! It's Natalie's holding her phone up to her camera on her laptop, so that so that I could so that you can see this beautiful. That's actually handmade. Flag. Really well done. Like I'm. Yeah, I'm telling you, they did not mess around. I can't. Yeah, and especially that whole like, it's something. I, that's something where it's like a project to distract because it doesn't sound mm-hmm. like a lot of happy things were going on. And when yeah. you have those projects, you like go all in and it makes it real and bonds you. Sports brings people together. I like playing them. Yeah. 
You like punching things. I, you do a kick punch. I like punching things. It's, I've been I've been having a hard time uh, working out on my own because of because your sloppy wrists. Well, no, my sloppy wrists are fine. <laughs> I assume. I don't know. I I I it's frowned upon for me to punch my husband. So. <laughs> yes, um, Natalie. I'm glad you know that. I do. I know that. Uh, he reminds me, David. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm a very self-conscious shadow boxer. Uh, I don't get a lot of satisfaction out of shadow boxing. And also all of my favorite strikes in, uh, kickboxing are things that like are very weird to throw to not a person. Like kicks are hard, like, cause then everything becomes like a weird spin kick. And then I feel like I'm like your 11 year old nephew who is trying to like show you his the new moves he learned from some anime he's watching he saw like the karate kid he's like look i know karate now yeah yeah i so. actually kind of really want to see that now <laughs> i want to see you just like <laughs> running around and twirling and kicking shit uh, and I love throwing knees uh, and knees are you can kind of do shadow boxing easily but like I shadow boxed a little bit this morning just because just in the mirror I, like Natalie you can get through this okay come yeah. on yeah I could do it um well I am just itching with anticipation um yeah same I can't wait to hear what this uh Natalie and and DJ Rip but mostly Natalie I take you to 1942, Kiev, Ukraine. Oh, my homeland. And I am going to tell you about the death match. (gasps) Yes. So in um, like 19, I think like 1930, let's see, where was it? Uh. It, what well, a cliffhanger yeah. to, to say deathmatch and then go to your notes. So in, in like 1939, I believe, or or in the time that during World War II, uh, Ukraine was mm-hmm. occupied, um, and it's called the Reichskommissariat uh, Ukraine. Commiss- Reichskommissariat Ukraine. I don't speak mm-hmm. uh, good German or Russian. Um, anyway, it was a civilian occupation regime, so it's like, this is Germany now. Um, and... They, the like. I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> saying. Just this is Germany now is kind of just like very, <laughs> just very German. Yes. This is Germany now. It was like that's like how you could summarize yeah. a lot of uh, European history. Yes. It's just uh, and uh, this this is Germany now. It was it was this the civilian occupation regime. So it's like who's running Ukraine while they're in mm-hmm. while they're um, occupied by Germany, um, and when uh, Germany occupied all of these like Eastern European countries, they they disbanded every club, every kind of organized anything, which means they closed all of the uh, soccer clubs. Mm. Yes, I am doing another soccer episode. I'll allow it because you made it about both Germany and Ukraine, which is both of my heritage. <laughs> so uh, basically, they they closed. They were like, "You can't play soccer anymore. Shut it down. No more." Um, but and I'm not sure exactly like why it started up. I, 
things I've read have said that like the German officers wanted to watch soccer games or something, but they would kind of allow each little country or area to like form a soccer team. And they, uh, there was this team, this professional team called um, Dynamo Kiev. I mean, mm-hmm. and they were disbanded and whatnot. And then when these like soccer teams were started up again, um, they kind of there was this like famous trainer or whatever who kind of put teams together and he pulled um, previous players from Dynamo. They kind of made a, a a point to say like none of the players played that previous season. They were like a few years removed because I think the Germans didn't want them to be like super good or something. Um, anyway, so so. Kiev was occupied and there were these kind of forced labor camps and a lot of um, the players from this team worked at uh, uh, bread factory number one. (laughs) You were given the role of bread factory number one. Um, Man, just really speaking to (laughs) me in youth theater. I am throwing everything at you. Um, So this it's called the bakery team, essentially. Um, the end of 1941, uh, they allowed sports clubs. Um, in 42, uh, this soccer trainer and reporter, uh, Georgi Dmitrievich Shvetsov, uh, founded a club, Rook, which means movement. Um, and he tried to get like all the best players together. Most of the players from Dynamo like didn't want to join because they didn't like really trust or like the guy. Um, and so, uh, a lot of them from Bakery Number One uh, formed a team together, and they started playing these other teams. It wasn't against the Germans, um, but it was just other teams, uh, and they won every game. Now, here's where I don't know exactly how to continue telling the story, because basically after the war, um, Soviet propaganda like took this story and ran with it and that's what I read first and I was like what Mm. no oh my god are you kidding and then I got to the end and it was like Biggie Smalls it was all a dream um (laughs) so so basically I'll just tell you what actually happened so they played a bunch of games um this Kiev team they called their name uh start start um, which they were trying to pick something apolitical, but also something that was kind of like a new beginning, a new hope, um, Star Wars. Um, something that was kind of hopeful, but they couldn't mm. be like the rebellion of foosball. Like, so they kind of yeah. kept it low key. Um, they played a bunch of matches. They won every game. Uh, I, oh, I, for, I lost where the score is, but there's something like of... All the games they played, they scored, you know, 36 goals and only allowed eight. They just destroyed all these teams that they played. And then the final game, which afterwards was dubbed the death match by the Mm -hmm. Soviet propaganda. At the time, it was called, it was just another match. And then on the poster, it said like revenge underneath it. So this is a game that the Germans, it seemed, were kind of like, peeved that these you know occupied ukrainians were like crushing it and so they brought in a professional team from germany 
Wow. Rude. Yeah. And they kind of curated it so it was all of these, like, Aryan-built, like, all blonde, you know, exactly what they wanted their master race to be. Um, mm-hmm. t- to prove that, like, look, we are the best, and, and this will be proof. Um, they got decimated. The Ukrainians beat them. And, uh, hell yeah. Yeah, they were still in the camp and everything. Um, and everything is, all the propaganda is like, makes it really contentious and like physical and whatnot. But there is also documentation of like eyewitnesses saying, like, it wasn't like the, the SS agent didn't go into the match at halftime and say all this shit. And afterwards, there's a picture of, of, both sides just acting really casual and relaxed and the winning team actually like drank homemade vodka and everything. Um, it was very casual, but I want to tell you the Soviet propaganda version. Yes, please do. I was was like, please tell me. (laughs) Okay. So basically, uh, this team was formed. Um, they allowed, they were, uh, killing or getting rid of um, people of, quote, a certain stature, which I don't know if that means, like, um, they were kind of celebrities because they were soccer players or they were soccer players, so they were really in shape and muscular. Let's get rid of them. Um, Wait, which team team are you talking about? The Ukrainian team. So, yeah, so Germans, like, when they occupied, they were like, let's get rid of anyone who's a threat. Um, But Mm. this one German officer loved allegedly loved soccer so much um, that he like kind of put together this team himself. And uh, it, the first match, there were 2000 Ukrainian um, uh, spectators and they paid five rubles to get in and they won the game. Do I have these scores up? My computer died earlier, and all the sites that I had open that had my information was gone. They won their first match like five to one, and then they won their next one like four to one, and they were kind of just playing uh, different teams from occupied Ukraine and like different areas. Um, and the Germans, uh, after like one of the first games, um, this guy who this German officer who created it goes in. He goes lose or we will execute you and they go out and they win the game and since it was a a crowd filled with ukrainians they were so excited and the guy's like well i can't kill them now everyone's super excited it's very like gladiator it's very commodus like thumbs up thumbs down situation and then the next game happens and he's like you better lose or we will kill you all they win the game he keeps doing this they keep winning the games being told that they will be executed if they win but he wait but this this is the propaganda well yes so this is all like like asterisk allegedly uh but like the guy who's making these threats is a guy who formed this kick-ass team yeah it's it's the first time they mention it it's like it's that guy and then sometimes uh it's just like an ss officer goes in um and basically like they this mythos was created around this team and it actually was like when this team kept winning in real life like um it was put in their little in the in the press in the area and people would come to see these games and it kind of was 
rallying the nation and the people of like it's mentioned of what the Germans would call like a rule through normalcy or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. we want you to live your life normally, um, as normal as it can be, um, as to kind of like placate you, but we're in charge. And if we let you guys do what you want a little bit, then you will cause no trouble. Um, so that's why they let these matches go. And that's why he was like, I can't like kill them or whatever. Um, and then they became heroes and he was like, I don't want to kill them because then I'll create 11 martyrs. Um, and then something happened. And then the final match was the death match where he brought in the German, uh, football team, Flakhelf FC. Um, this was on August 9th, 1942. This match actually, oh, my birthday. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This You didn't do my reverse birthday match? This just has Natalie written all over it. This ep- There's just so I'm many not, of my birthdays. I'm not. You said 1942. 1942. What's your reverse math on that? That's my negative 48th birthday. Oh my gosh. You are looking amazing. Keeping it tight. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I feel like I had so much like data and facts and now I'm just kind of like talking through it. Um, not unlike my... Uh, 99ers episode listen you get excited it's like some people see some people see something like shiny float by and get like distracted you see a soccer ball and you lose your mind and your needs oh no that's that's actually true if someone rolls a soccer ball i'm like doug from up i'm just like squirrel and i just kind of run after it and black out it's not good okay (laughs) so the death match comes and um they're told like uh Win or lose, you will, or like, I don't know if it's win or lose, but they're like, you will be executed. This is the last match we've brought in our German team. They know they're going to die after this match. They're told, you know, and and it's, they don't allow any Ukrainian spectators in. And there's 10,000 uh, German uh, soldiers in this, it's called the Zenit Stadium in Kiev, um, which was kind of a rundown, whatever, but it's filled with Germans. And there's this picture of the match um, where it's it's super eerie. They've got the teams lined up, which is what you do before every match. Your teams kind of line mm. up next to each other. And if it's, a, if it's a club match, then you play each other's clubs. America is the only country that plays their own national anthem before every sports, sporting event. But anyway, they kind of do the, the formal pre-match stuff but there's this picture of the stands just full the teams lined up in their jerseys um and then just kind of like a a little band of soldiers and then the huge swastika flags and the eagle flags and it looks so eerie and they've got the they've got pictures of them lined up in their uniforms it's it's so cool and so creepy um and then allegedly it was like oh, there was a, a German officer was the referee and they were like throwing punches and fouling and they were like, we know the German officer isn't going to call any fouls against us. And then um, they go, they're up three to one at halftime. And then they uh, 
are told, like, if you know, whatever, we're going to kill you, yada, da. They win the game, mm-hmm. and then immediately after, they're arrested and, and tortured and executed, and they're like, we know we're going to die, but we have to do this for our country. And it's so, like, beautiful and exciting, and every time something else is mentioned, I was like, oh, are you kidding me? This is like a movie. And then it was like, but it wasn't really like that. I was like, oh, come on. Um... It's true that history history likes to, you know, pump itself up a yeah, little bit. It, it's so much of it was so close, but like clearly Soviet propaganda, like hyped it up and made it like a, a, a melodrama. Um, after the after the match, um, they all were arrested by the Gestapo and uh, some of them were tortured because they had ties to it's called NKVD. It's um essentially what the Ukrainian Communist Party was before they were, mm-hmm. like, taken over by the Germans. So some of them had ties to that, and they're like, we're going to kill you for that. Some of them were tortured. Some of them had German leanings or, like, people suspect were helping out the Germans and whatnot, so they just kind of disappeared. And one of them was sent to, um, like, Siberia. They, it said, like, the Asian part of Russia. Um, mm-hmm. And... And some of them were killed, some of them were sent away, some of them were disappeared, but they were all arrested after the match. Um, and it was just, it, it was just a roller coaster researching this and reading it. And the reason I know about it or wanted or heard about it is because there's a movie called The Long Road to Victory. I believe that's what it's called. Let me see. Yeah, or yeah, no, it's Escape to Victory. It came out in 1981. The cast includes Mike O'Kane, who is the coach, um, Sylvester Stallone. I have so many questions about what accents people were supposed to have Just wait. in this movie and versus what the actors. If you're going to say Kenneth Branagh, I'll lose my no. mind. Pele. What actual soccer Pele was in the movie um, and and John Houston and they're not Ukrainian, but they're like it, it says predominantly Westerners. I saw it forever ago and I can't remember much of the movie, except that it was like they were POWs and they played the Germans. Um, and yeah, and it's just it's so ridiculous, but it was based on this. At first, I thought that that was yeah. a true story, but it was based on this. And there's actually a few um, like documentaries and uh, and films and whatnot um, based off this. Actually, the longest yard um, originally came out in 1974, and yes, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, but it it's about an NFL player recruiting a group of prisoners. Yeah, da da da. And it's been remade three times, and it's it references it, or it was the idea came from it, um, and then it was of course recreated with Adam Sandler. What a genius! Um, a, a a natural for any sports film. Yes, um, but it's just oh, it was just this cool story, and and it was just so cool to see them like going up against not only like they had to bring in 
a, an outside team from Germany. Like this team they brought in was not in their league or any of the teams they were playing. And they curated it to make it look like their desired master race. And they still fucking Yeah, lost. it was Germany bringing, it was Germany bringing in a ringer. Yeah. But like a completely, I'm like, quote unquote, like against league rules. Yeah. Ringer. It was granted. It's like a hodgepodge league, but yeah. Still. the The final score was five to two, which is a a big deficit. Like if, in soccer, yeah. um, it was three to one at halftime. Um, and they say that uh, the second half of the game was not reported, so they have the final score and everything. But uh, they're like, maybe we don't take the stats on the second half because we're not doing so well. And they ended the match early before the allotted 90 minutes or stoppage time because they're like, if this Ukrainian team is going to beat the best of the best, they can't beat us by more than two. That's just too embarrassing. Yeah. Or more than three because of math. Right? Math's hard. Yeah. Um, it was just really cool. Uh, and yeah. I love that it. I love that it's like the Germans like created their own monster. Like they yeah. were like, hey, we love, we love soccer. We miss it. We know that we kind of like shut down all of your leagues uh so we're gonna like start our own uh and then one super fan like made like frank like the frankenstein's monster but like perfect yeah and it's uh, it's it's and it backfired on <laughs> it's funny because like i read the the kind of uh I started at Wikipedia and they give the background and a bunch of different information. And I was like, you're not talking about the game and you're mentioning all these players. I don't know what you're talking about. So I went to other uh, uh, sources, which were more um, like prose and, and opine stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, and it was like a roller coaster. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I know it was real because I saw just little bits and pieces from the Wikipedia page. And then I go back to the Wikipedia page to then like dive into more information and pull up another article about whatever. And they're like, yes, the Soviet propaganda. I was like, God damn it. And the little eyewitness section. Um, But the thing is, is it's, it's all true. Like even the propaganda version, it's all true. They have the scores. They have the teams they played. They just played up the... It's like Enemy at the Gates with Jude Law and Ray Fi- uh, Joseph Fiennes, where they like play up this hero and he's, mm-hmm. you know. But it's like it's all built around uh, a kernel of, of truth. Yeah. Um, and then the, the final match, it, I mean, there, there were posters that the Germans made in Russian and whatnot so that everyone knew like, we want you to know what this is. We're bringing in our, the, our top brass. And at the bottom, it says Fußballspiel, which means soccer game. And then underneath, it says revenge. So they were billing it, the Germans were, as like, this is our grudge match. Back off, we're going to beat you. Um, and then it was referred to deathmatch later, um, which I think deathmatch sounds cooler. So death Deathmatch! Yeah, that's my story. And when you were like, 1940s too, Poland... Olympics, sports. It was like, oh my God, no. But it wasn't the same. It was So adjacent, though. Mm-hmm. Probably, the, there is- probably the most adjacent one could be. Yeah. 
because both of us i love though part i thought i was being so crafty uh because i i did a specific athlete last time and i was going to this time and then i started thinking about like literally like my husband justin was asking uh about like whether or not um he's like have they done something about the olympics yet and i was like yeah they postponed them and he wasn't sure if that had ever happened before and i just like went down this rabbit hole uh but i had previously been like thinking about doing a specific athlete again and you and i both i mean you did a team and i did uh an athlete last time way more modern sports history uh and then i love that we both somehow went to uh literally the same year almost we went to the same uh world event (laughs) um and also the same region although i guess like at least like the pow camps were in germany uh they weren't oh yeah you said they're like like, otherwise we were literally in neighboring countries you said they're like near nuremberg right yeah, one of them was it was yeah. near Nuremberg. The the one in 1940 was I think the one that was near Nuremberg. I I don't know so I feel like I know so many people who love World War II and they love learning about it. I don't know that much about it. I mean, I know like what we learn in school and the movies you pick up a lot and I know a bit, but the ins and outs of it, yeah. I definitely don't know it as well as you. So, I knew that the I don't know like I, I don't well, you know. Enjoy I know it. like I don't know if anyone enjoys for Well, too. yeah, you enjoy learning about it. There are, I enjoy there are interesting things that I'll f- stumble upon that are reper that like are repercussions of yeah. World War II. And so I think it's really interesting um how World War II and World War 1 like how these like global events have had a have had seismic changes on the like generations that were growing up during them or that like on how it kind of forced a shift in society. Um, Or like, I always think it's really interesting, like the gender politics of things, especially with like, uh, like women in the workforce, things that like moved very far forward out of necessity during the war yeah. only to be like dialed back. Those are the things that I always think are interesting of like how the, how countries kind of adapted and managed the situations. Um, well, and see what I, so this, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, no. You go. Well, what I was, when I like naturally jump to history or, or what I'm most interested in, it's earlier than that. And when it comes to world war two, it's interesting. You say you're interested in the repercussions of it. Cause whenever I think of world war two and I dig into things, I'm always interested in, the politics and the events that led up to it, the things that. But so, but that's that's what I would say yeah. is like that would be if because I also like enjoy like I'm not even being specific about World War II, and so I would say that the the things being put in place that led to World War II are things that kind of were repercussions or kind of came, yeah. changes in politics from World War One. Yeah. And so it's like, that's why it's still kind of, it's interesting to me how it shifts Mm -hmm. kind of society, like what, what our idea of normalcy is. Yes. And there it is. And there you have it. There you have it. Uh, 1942, you said that? Uh, August 9th, 1942 was the death match. Uh, It started these, 
this kind of team and whatnot, the league started in 1941. All right. Well, my uh, great-grandparents were exiled to Siberia, so I'm going to... I know that they weren't, but I'm going to choose to believe because it would have been timeline-wise, I think, around this same yeah. time, if I'm doing my grandmother's math, uh, age math correctly. Uh, I'm going to choose to believe that my great-grandfather played in this soccer match and They've got- was whooping... Whooping the German. They've got names of all the players, but but the, I'm sure the lineup changed, and I'm sure some people like. Yeah, it's like yeah, I gotta go like to bread factory like number bench. three, guys. I can't play this match. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure. And they were like, "Get off the bench." Yeah. So I'm sure he, he played. Yeah, even though I don't think it was the Ger- it wasn't the Germans who exiled them, but I'm gonna choose. I'm rewriting my own history. Hey, that's what history is all about. Yep. Sharing your Just, own uh, version. Yeah, and then not revealing that it might be partially fabricated uh, until the end of a really long article. Oh, so like Sylvia propaganda. Yeah, kind of like that. Um, That's I had that same problem with one of my stories though, where they were like, "But also, all of this could be wrong." Well, so and I was like, "I was pissed because I was invested, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do my topic on.'" And then at the end, they had sold you a beautiful narrative. Well, what I was worried about was at the end because I was going to there was I can't remember what it was. There was a topic forever ago that I was going to do, and then it was like, oh, it was it was um, medieval walking. Um, because there, there was this thing about like, um, people in medieval times walked on their toes and that's why Mm -hmm. you see them in paintings on their toes. And it's because of the way the, the, you know, they're walking in mud and, and the, the shoes they had at the time. And I was like, this is so weird and interesting. And then it was like, oh, this is all fake, all fake. Yeah. And I was like, are you kidding me? I like invested and was actually doing research on it. And then so I, I mean, so for this one, I was like, I got to the end. I was like, well, now I got to pick a new topic. And then it was like, but it actually did. It just wasn't this uh, sparkly. It may not have gone down exactly yeah, like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Just because, like, that's kind of like my, my story from that I did tell anyway uh, in season one about, um, uh, about like the Pope. Uh, yeah, and, and like condemning cats as like dem- whatever causing the plague or whatnot. I was was it cats? It was, yeah, it was cats. That's what, or that's why you were like black cats are bad luck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I love I love whenever we choose a broad theme and end up so close to each other. Oh, Natalie, you are my evil clone. Uh Uh-huh. On just a couple years in the future. (laughs) In a neighboring uh, occupied territory. That occupied territory is Illinois, (laughs) because you're in Iowa right now. Um, Well, thank you for uh, uh, teaching me that I could enjoy a sports talk more yes thank you for uh suggesting it and and deep diving into it because yours was and so you guys there was so much heart i i cry in every sports movie <laughs> uh well and also for our listeners if you're going through sports withdrawal we hope that this 
uh, gave you a little little tasty taste of of that sweet sports kush. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, and and also like we'll we'll try I'll try to find this damn mini documentary, um, and we'll at least be able to share more sports footage and and film stuff for you to uh, to soak up that sports love in. Uh, Rip, do you have uh, any beats or anything for us? Not much aside from just talking more about The Longest Yard, how uh, my (laughs) dad made me watch that movie because it starred Burt Reynolds and he was very cool, and how the Adam Sandler version is also very good, and... Rip, do you want to do you want to launch a new podcast called uh, like One Yard at a Time? Might as or, well. Like, yard by yard, inch by inch, <laughs> yard by yard. That's a different. Movie. The inches we need are all around us. Oh, that was um, a good you, Pacino. Thank you very much. I I actually used to have an MP3 file of his speech from any given Sunday, oh my God. and would listen to it in the car to get me hyped up for like. Big days at school or whatever. Oh, I got a spelling oh, test today. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that young, yeah, yeah, like figured. a first grader, yeah. <laughs> listening to Pacino. That was, that was an appropriate movie for a first grader to watch. <laughs> hey, whatever you know, what whatever like gets your blood up, man. Um, also, I realize we've been talking about the longest yard a lot. Um, for our fans abroad, uh, it's about football, American. <laughs> Uh, also, a yard in metric is 0.914 meters. You know what? That doesn't have the same ring to it. The longest 0.914 meters. You know, I just want to be. I just want to be aware of our fans abroad. And, and and we love you, fans abroad, and thank you for um, uh, dealing with our uh, our non-metric system and our butchering of uh, all of your words. most names and places. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, you're welcome for us telling, uh, mostly European stories today. Hey, there we go. <laughs> um, if you want, we're going to, there's some, um, some very cool, uh, images and, and pictures and stuff we're going to share. So if you want to see any of those, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at shared pod. And if you find that 2004 NBC mini documentary about the unofficial, uh, Olympics, uh, POW Olympics. You can send those to us uh, on Instagram or Twitter. You could tell me where the hell to find it, um, or you can email it to us along with any questions, corrections, or suggestions at sharedhistorypodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, show us. Wait, what is it? Smash that like and subscribe. Yes. <laughs> give us some. Give us some. Uh, some love and some reviews on on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I don't think you do it for Spotify, but you can do it on Stitcher. Yeah. Takes if you're listening on Spotify, like stop what you're st- like pause a uh, screen cap where you're at right now, uh, and and po- and post it to your Instagram and tag us in your story. Do that. That's the same. I love that. Also, yeah. Um, and it also helps other people find us. So I appreciate it. Uh, other than that, we'll we'll see you around, and um, we'll and we'll share, share you later. later. That probably sounded awful. Rip, I love you, and I'm sorry you have to edit these. I think we nailed that one. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.